Hello, I'd like to introduce the last but certainly not least uh, speaker of the day, uh, Dr. Graf. She's a distinguished dermatologist, break ground, ground sorry, groundbreaking peptide researcher, inner and outer beauty expert, author of best-selling book, Stop Aging, Start Living, hands-on creator of high-performing anti-aging skincare, go-to media resource for cutting-edge expertise in dermatology, cosmetic injectables, and skin science. Dr. Graf does it all. Uh, she is a assistant clinical professor of dermatology at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York, uh, where she is recognized for excellence in education with the 2011 Mount Sinai Medical Center Teacher of the Year Award. Please help me in welcoming Dr. Graf. Is this where? Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. This is the seventh inning stretch. It's always great being the last speaker of an afternoon because Everybody is really like, I'm giving you all credit because I'd have been out of here a long time ago. Not going to lie. But if you need to stand up and stretch and breathe, because what I'm going to talk about is really important. And it is going to really affect the way we practice dermatology medicine for forever. And it's about the internal external connection. Now, it doesn't take rocket science to know that you have to be healthy on the inside for it to be reflected on the outside. And you know, you've seen people who've had everything done, everything technically done, surgically, injectable fillers, and they still look like crap. But you've also seen people who've had nothing done who look great, no matter what. And there's a reason for that. It's the internal glow. So I am here to tell you, if I can ever, okay. We're going to talk about achieving the glow from within. And that is through something very simple called pH balance. And that's the acid-alkaline connection. Show of hands, is, anyone, is everyone here familiar or anyone here familiar with internal alkalinity? OK, good. Some of you are. And what I did is I brought with me some pH strips. And Gina is going to start distributing them. Um, only because I want you all to get an idea of where you lie on the pH scale because it's a really simple thing to do. When you get this, I want you to drink a little water so you rinse whatever coffee or other stuff is in your mouth, gum, etc. And then I want you to gather up some saliva, swallow it, and then gather up some fresh saliva and saturate the pH strip. There's going to be a color monitor on there, and I want you to note the color that your pH is. So why is internal pH balance important? It's really as simple as, what would your fish tank look like if you didn't balance the pH? And if anyone has seen the movie Grey Gardens, if you know what that swimming pool looked like, you wouldn't want to go in there. You need to balance the pH of your fish tank, your swimming pool, and our internal environment is our fish tank. And to quote Claude Bernard, because I go way, way back, the germ is nothing, and the inner terrain is everything. So when we pasteurize everything to kill the germs, as per Louis Pasteur, is that the right thing to do? Or did he get it backward? If Dr. Virchow before he died, the father of pathology said that if he could live his life over again, he would devote it to proving that germs seek their natural habitat 
and diseased tissue. Sorry about that. You know, it's always like this that I always get, I always get it wrong. So the goal of this is to start by talking about the acid-alkaline connection. And I'm going to start by going back to the fifth grade and tell you in three slides what high school chemistry couldn't teach me my entire 10th grade. Let's go back to simplify pH. pH is simply a number. And it's based on the concentration of positively charged hydrogen ions in a solution. So hydrogen ions are positively charged ions that can donate a proton. Hydroxide ions are negatively charged, potential electron donors. So pH is a number of liquids that is based on that. I'm having trouble with this. Can someone come up here who knows what I'm not doing? Okay. Now, when you have an equal number of hydrogen ions, positively charged, and an equal number of negatively charged hydroxide ions, you have water. And water is a neutral pH, and neutral pH is 7. So to really summarize pH, it's a matter, it measures your acidity and alkalinity of liquids. And it's a number that is only based on the amount of hydrogen ions in that solution. Neutral pH is 7. Acid pH is below 7. Alkaline pH is above 7. So in other words, if you have a lot of hydrogen ions, what is it? Room? Acid or alkaline? And if you have very limited hydrogen ions, it is perfect. So internal pH balance. Why do we focus on the pH and what is the acid-alkaline connection? and the price of chronic acidity to our health. Well, this is it, a beautiful cell and a pH imbalanced cell full of acid. And here's the way I really became interested in pH. I remember in the 90s, times were really exciting, and that was when we started to see all these vitamins and know that green tea did this, and wow, the lutein's lycopene, and antioxidants were important, and vitamin Z, and vitamin C, and coenzyme Q10, and I started to take a lot of these vitamins. Because everybody thought that the only thing that you could do to be healthy was take antioxidants, because free radical theory was everything. But then I started to realize that I wasn't feeling any better taking 30 vitamins, and I would put them into my shake and open them up. And then I thought to myself, wow, if I have this shake at 9.30, how many free radicals did I form in the past five minutes? Like, did I, did I create zillions of them? And did I destroy my body? Should I have taken them sooner? I started to panic and, and say, this doesn't make sense to me. We are a human body. We are a universe. We have an ability to heal. When we cut our skin, it heals, unlike a car that needs to go into a shop when something isn't working. We can rework ourselves. We have enzymes. We have cells. We have an incredible innate ability to repair ourselves. So what if? What if we could create an environment that we should create where we don't have to take all this stuff? Isn't that possible? Isn't that the right way to look at things? And then I started to do a lot of reading, and I came across 
the Nobel Prize in 1931. Not me personally, but I read about it. Otto Warburg. Everybody is familiar with the Warburg assay that measures oxygen? Well, he did something so simple and so beautiful, but that was my aha moment. He took cancer cells and normal cells. The normal cells and cancer cells were put into two different conditions. He put them into media where there was lots of acid and very little oxygen. And he put them into conditions of high alkalinity and high oxygen. And here he found when the medium had a lot of acid and low oxygen, the cancer cells grew like crazy. But the normal cells couldn't survive. Yet, in the alkaline high oxygen conditions, the normal cells grew beautifully and the cancer cells couldn't survive. Cancer doesn't like alkalinity. Disease does not like alkalinity. And that was my aha moment. So if we create an environment where we are more alkaline, then what does that mean to our health? So when we refer to internal pH balance, we're referring to the pH of blood and extracellular fluids. Normal blood pH should be between 7.35 and 7.4 at all times. So it's slightly alkaline. Why? Because it's critical for cellular function, for electrical function. We are cells and electricity. We thrive on electricity. We have electrical charges. If your electricity doesn't work, your heart is not going to pump. Correct? We do EEGs. We are electrical. In order to work correctly, we need this pH. There is no room for variation in this pH. Blood must stay at this critical pH or you're gonna die. And if any of you have been in the hospitals, we always check blood pH, arterial blood gases. Now, what happens though when we're acidic? Well, we have a quick internal buffering system. We've got buffering systems all over the body. And that buffering system is going to quickly neutralize the pH in the blood. So it's back to 7.35. But what happens when we don't? What happens when we overload and that we push our excess acids into our organs? What happens? We get funky looking cells. We get cell death. We get cells that don't function properly. So the common causes of acidity are listed right here, simple. Stress, major acid producer. Negative thoughts, major acid producer. That's one of the reasons why when I go out to dinner, I never like to discuss family matters, business, never argue at dinner. I mean, that's just really not a good thing to do. Poor diet, refined foods, sugar, colas, the great American diet, lifestyle, smoking, bad one excess of anything, excess coffee, excess alcohol, all of these things will increase our acid load and it's going to create a situation where our bodies need to buffer. So here we have a situation where, I don't have a pointer, let me see if we have, now I do. Let's see if it works. Okay, there we go. It's a vicious cycle. We start with a high acid intake, whether it's through diet, stress, or behaviors. That creates a lot of acid in our blood, and our internal buffering system is gonna quickly neutralize those acids back to a blood pH of 7.35.
We continue these behaviors and our acid builds up over time, so much so that our internal buffer is unable to keep up with this demand. Then we need to keep buffering. So we go to our tissue mineral stores that are used to neutralize acids. Minerals are the best acid neutralizers. They're extremely efficient acid neutralizers. But after a while, we keep up with this. Our tissue mineral stores are depleted over time. And with this continued acid, we start going to our major mineral stores, which are in our bone, our bone stores. So osteoporosis is a disease of acidity. It's not a disease of estrogen. It's a disease of acidity, because we have to pull minerals out of our bone. And the other acids we deposit in our organs. And that puts a tremendous amount of stress on our cells in our organs, so they can't function properly. And this is the result. Osteoporosis, acid reflux. Acid reflux is a disease of acidity. We don't have enough acid formed in our stomach because we have too much acid outside of our stomach. Infections, fermentation, cancer. This is the American nightmare. This is the American health nightmare. But it's a vicious cycle, and it's all caused and created by acidity. This is the price that chronic pH imbalance pays on our cells. If we have normal cells, and this is every organ of our body, including our skin, our stomach, our brains, our hearts, our livers, every single cell will be affected because we are going to have these cells instead. The cell membrane integrity is going to be compromised. Our glucose metabolism is going to be compromised. The ion exchange that goes across the cell membrane, the metabolism of the cell, oxygen delivery, ATP production, our mitochondria. We're going to either have cancerous cells or death of cells, but at the very least, we're going to have poorly functioning cells. Does that make sense to everybody so far? So how does it affect our skin? I mean, I'm a dermatologist. Why are we talking about gallbladders? Well, skin is affected by both internal and external factors. And chronic metabolic acidosis is going to affect the basal layers of our skin. And the skin that we ultimately form is going to be affected by the skin layers below that we ultimately nourish. Aging is accelerated by poor internal and external pH balance. And all you have to do is look at an alkphosphatase stain of skin that is young and healthy with this beautiful network of blood vessels versus skin in a person who has smoked and has been in the sun and has quite a lot of acidity. These are the blood. This is the blood supply to the skin. And you can see skin ages. And we're very interesting as skin people because what we do on the inside is very important. We also have to do external factors as well. We have to protect our outer layer. The most important function of our skin that everyone seems to take for granted, and I don't mean us, I mean everyone that we treat, is protection from the outside environment. How many people, how many people that you see have dry skin? How many of your patients? Practically everyone. When you say to them, don't shower every day, do they look at you like, <gasps> yeah? Well, they don't put moisturizer on. They put it on after they shower. That's it, right? 
So the external layer of skin is really important. It contains in that stratum corneum our army, our microflora, our immune protective cells, our antimicrobial peptides, fungus, mites, parasites. They're us, and they are there to protect us against the army of bacteria, parasites, molds, and fungus from outside. And we have our Langerhans cells, we have macrophages, we have a bunch of very important cells, but they function best when the external pH is at 5.4. So we need to stay alkaline internally so that our basal layer of cells will form a stratum external layer that is going to be 5.4. And if you don't, if you have an abnormal external skin pH, and studies have shown that after the age of 50, our external pH is 6 and over. That's not good. That means that we're not functioning properly. And that's why when people are in their 70s and 80s and they come and say, oh, really? I've never had this rash before. I mean, I'm 70 years old. Why am I getting this for the first time? It's because your pH has compromised you. So there's an increased risk of infection, contact dermatitis, irritant dermatitis. So an optimal alkaline internal pH balance is essential for the proper development of that external pH. So how does internal acidity affect the skin? Well, your diet increasing acid-producing foods is gonna increase your body's acid load and your skin's acid load. And that means that you may not produce a great outer layer. Smoking, well, that's going to cut the circulation to your skin down to almost zero. And what does that mean? That means you're going to have a decrease in ATP production. You're going to have poor mitochondrial function. You're going to have cellular damage, poor microcirculation and lymphatic drainage. And you're going to have stuff staying in the skin that you don't want. So the impact of internal acidity on the skin is that your dermis and epidermis are just not going to do their function properly. You're going to have poor mitochondrial function. Your P53 is going to go bonkers, and your cell death is going to ensue either too early, too late, not at all, increased skin cancers. You're going to have poor skin function. So we need to keep the epidermal formation and the formation of a delicately balanced pH lipid barrier. And to do that, we've got to do it both from the inside and the outside. And from the inside, when you have great blood circulation, and exercise is an important part of that, what happens is that you are going to have great oxygen delivery. You're going to have better ATP function. Your cells are going to behave properly. And you're going to form cells that you need for optimal external function. This is true for every single organ in the body. And a lot of it is common sense. So clearly, that inner glow is going to emanate just from that oxygenation, just from that healthy pH. So has, is everyone testing their pH? How many of you have done that so far? OK. And you have the number, because I'm going to do, I'm going to find out what everybody is. To become more alkaline, we have to increase our alkalinity. And we have to do this by eliminating excess acids as well. So we start by measuring our saliva pH, OK? Our saliva pH is probably the best measure of what our internal pH is. Urine pH is not, 
okay? Urine pH, are those are acids that we're excreting. So urine pH is usually about between 5 and 6, 6.5. But these test strips, which you can easily get, that's a powerful tool to see your progress. And I can tell you if you take one mineral supplement an hour later, you will see a difference in your saliva pH. That's how sensitive an indicator it is. There are pH booster drops. I mean, you hear about all these great machines that cost thousands of dollars. I think if you like to spend money that you don't, that I don't have, I mean, this is just as good. You do not need to get fancy machines. You can use a water filter. But I have a four-part plan to increase alkalinity. First of all, prime diet and nutrition. You want to have, you see a lot of colors in here. Supplements. There are certain supplements that specifically increase alkalinity. Lifestyle is a very important part of that. And skincare, which we're not going to talk about. But I am going to talk about the other three. Skincare is a given. And as a dermatologist, we're not talking about that today. <laughs> we're going to talk about nutrition. So first, you have to eat a diet rich in alkalinizing foods and lower your intake of acid producers. How do you know what's an acid food and an alkaline food? Easy, by its ash. An ash is a residue. After you eat something and it's metabolized, whatever is left after you've burned it is called the ash. That ash residue, when we measure the hydrogen ions, that tells us the pH of the food you just ate. What does that mean? How many people think that lemons are acidic? They're acidic. How many think a lemon is an acid-producing food? One. Okay. I would have thought so, but it's not. And the reason it's not is because there are enough minerals, minerals are alkalinizing within the lemon. So even though a lemon is an acidic food, its residue is alkaline. So there are charts that you can get on the internet, charts that are on different websites that tell you whether a food is an acid producer or an alkaline producer. Not all alkaline, not all acid producing foods are bad. Some of them are quite healthy. You just have to have them in a certain percentage. For example, nuts. They're acid-producing foods, but yet they have their health benefits. Um, but I will tell you, lemons, limes, these are very alkaline foods. They produce a lot of alkalinity. And the higher the concentration of minerals within a food, the higher the alkaline ash will be. All protein, for example, is acidic, leaves an acid ash. People would think that milk and dairy products, which we always think of as soothing and coating and alkalinizing, those are acid producers, big time. So, number one thing to do, the number one alkalinizer, water, 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 plenty of it. Adding lemon or lime will enhance its alkalinity. So make sure that you drink a lot of water. Is everyone, I'm a very bad water drinker, I have to tell you. I have to force myself and remind myself. Um, there are people, my son loves water. My daughter likes water, but she's not a great water drinker. I am not from the water drinkers. So I drink four ounces every half hour, and I have it on my Blackberry to remind me. There are things that you can do. If you're not a water drinker, you can add lemon and lime, and you can add stevia which is a natural sweetener, or agave. There are things that you can do 
that are going to help you to drink water. But when you drink water, you will be more alkaline, without question. We die dehydrated. And when you're not thirsty, well, that means you're dehydrated. That's the first sign of it. These are the main acid-producing foods. Refined foods, so everything that's refined that's flowers, sugar that's refined, sugar is not good. Cola drinks, that's probably worse than anything. Diet Coke, colas, they are so acid-producing, they leach more minerals out of your bone. And there have been a lot of articles written up in the literature about how an organic diet of fruits and vegetables decreases osteoporosis. Well, here's why. Cola drinks increase osteoporosis. Here's why. Coffee. Now, having things in moderation and the way you have them, a glass of wine can be quite healthy, happy and healthy. A bottle or two of wine isn't. Coffee, if you're going out, have a cappuccino. Have something that you know is freshly brewed. Because whenever the waiters tell you, oh, this coffee is fresh, you know it's been sitting there all day and collecting acids. You know it. You smell it. So try to have a cappuccino or a latte or something that you know they had to prepare immediately. How do you make coffee alkalinizing? You have a coffee, a coffee maker at home that grinds the beans and makes the coffee immediately. And if you get fresh organic beans and drink the coffee immediately, it will actually be alkaline producing. It's when the coffee sits around that it produces the acids. Table salt, oh my god. Sodium chloride, why they even have it on the market, I don't know. It's like one of those things that you could easily get off the market and replace with sea salt. Because sodium chloride has no nutritional value at all. You can switch over to sea salts, which actually do have nutritional value. Alkaline-producing foods, green leafy vegetables. I put kale in here because kale is the most alkaline-producing alkaline vegetable. I juice it since I'm not very good at cooking it or cooking anything. Colorful vegetables, fruits, water, sea salt. And I love the Himalayan sea salts. If you ever go to the sea salt aisle, which I have a lot of fun with, they have different colors. That's because of where they are. Some of them are gray, some of them are white. The Himalayan sea salts are pink. There are about 114 um, ionic elements in the sea salts, between 90 and 100, as opposed to sodium chloride, which is just going to draw water out of you. So this is the way you want to eat for alkalinity. And in a normal, normal society, normal diet should have a 50-50 balance of acid and alkaline producing foods. But since we are so acidic, we want to change that ratio. And you want it to be three parts alkalinizing to one part acid. So increasing your dietary intake of Mediterranean type foods, alkaline producing foods, greens, colorful, water with lemon or lime, that's a great thing to do. If your diet is beige and white, you need to add some color. Okay, beige and white is very acid producing. I like certain supplements. Now, these are just examples. But if you go to any of your health food stores or your Whole Foods or your local store where your health food store is, you're going to see greens. You're going to see green drinks. You're going to see different kinds of grasses, barley grass, wheatgrass. These are wonderful, wonderful for enhancing alkalinity. Um, this is a brand I happen to like. Chlorophyll, chlorella, Addit, spirulina, pond scum. Purified pond scum is spirulina. It's algae. It's wonderful. And calcium. Make sure that you're taking a 
a balanced mineral supplement because minerals are the queen mother of all alkalinity. And it's when we lose our tissue minerals that we start getting into trouble. So healthy lifestyle, managing stress, do not smoke, use moderation with caffeine and alcohol, have fun. Fun is very alkalinizing. Make sure that you include a lot of exercise, regular exercise, get that blood flowing all the time, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy the world. It's wonderfully unique. These are pictures from Malaysia that my husband took because he's a pilot and he gets to do this stuff because there's beauty and wonder everywhere. And don't you feel good when you experience it? Experience the world in a different way. Do something very, very different, because you never know who you're going to meet. This was when we went to the Baja Peninsula, where the mother whales, the gray whales, give birth to their babies. And they stay there for about three months, no, eight weeks or so, until their baby whales get big enough. So then they go up north and we see them on the coast. But there's a place in the Baja where you can actually be taken out in a boat and the whales will sometimes, if you're lucky, come up to the boat. And they have, look at these, barnacles. These are seborrheic keratoses. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> it's true. That's what they are. They're, they're gelatinous. Whales are like so, gray whales are so smooth and gelatinous. They need them for protection when they're going under things. But this is a wonderful thing to do, just experiencing the world. Green, beauty, nature, surround yourself, get that dopamine going. Beauty produces dopamine and alkalinity. Watch a sunset, then watch the sun rise. So this is my last, second to last slide, okay? And it's the summary slide, because internal alkalinity and radiance, they can be achieved by simple steps, and they can be baby steps. Mediterranean-type diet, high fiber, leafy greens, fruit, olive oil, lemon water. Alkalinizing supplements are helpful, especially with this lifestyle of superfoods, greens, grasses, wheatgrass, spirulina, chlorophyll. Minerals, super important, mineral supplements. Healthy lifestyle choices and exercise. And remember, always remember, the most important thing is to add joy to your life, because joy in itself and fun is alkaline producing. And that is it. You guys deserve a medal. I'm going to clap for you because you guys did well. OK. I want a show of hands. Whose pH was 7.5? No, you have, oh no, come on. You have to look at the, Gina? They need to look at the outside. Okay. All right. We have enough strips to go around, but you need to do it all over again to look at your pH. It'll take a few minutes, but you have to reference it because if your pH is 7 to 7.5, that's really good. This is my screw up because I didn't make myself clear, so I'm sorry about that. But I decided that I brought two books the two lowest pHs in the room, talk about rewarding bad behavior, are going to get my buck. <laughs> so while we're doing that, is there any questions? I don't, I don't understand why you would have any questions, because I would, I would be saying to myself, I really want to get out of here and bolt and grab something to eat or drink. A question. <laughs>
Yes. I'm sorry? Thank you. Yep. Major. Ta-da! You're right. It's up to us to spread that word. And you know what? I kind of, I looked at that 1931 study from Otto Warburg, drove it home for me. And then I asked, well, why, why did we get lost with free radical theory? And the answer is this, and I, I read a lecture that Otto Warburg gave in the 60s on cancer. They couldn't have put it together because by that, at that point, glycolysis hadn't been, you know, a lot of theories that we've, and a lot of metabolic processes we didn't know about. But the, it's so clear and it's going to take a lot because right now, just to get the school vending machines to stop taking, to stop putting sugar in there and to have some healthy drinks. And the healthiest we are is Arizona iced tea and Snapple. So that's not very good. We have a ways to go. We have to teach and we have to become really, you know, we, we have to be very strong in getting this message out because this is a big part of our national debt. Yeah, and you know, the interesting thing about Coca-Cola is they're starting to put some good stuff together. They're starting to put, you know, they, they have a lot of water products out there, but you're absolutely right. And, but it has to come from us. We are the primary providers and we have to influence everybody. Our governments, our officials, we have to spread that word out. Our patients, we have to educate. I was down in Kentucky um, a few months ago and it was Somerset, Somerset, Kentucky. And it was really a very rural place and I couldn't find anything on a menu that wasn't fried. They fry gravy. I mean, it's, it's really hard. And, and if you look at the idea that here you have some of the most fertile land in the country and we're growing cigarette leaves, tobacco leaves, when we could be growing great stuff there and the obesity epidemic. I mean, we're an acid-produced society. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you received the message and we're going to keep carrying on the message because we do. We're a very unhealthy society, and we're fast foods. You know, why can't we have fast organic foods? My son, who's sitting in the back, who doesn't want to be noticed, uh, had said to me a few years ago that he was thinking that one day he would open up a fast organic food place. Right, George? Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. How are we doing with the pHs? Any 7.5s? Excellent. No book for you. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, you have your reserve and it's all good, but... So what number do you want those strips to be? You want your strip to be between 7 and 7.5. The higher, the better. Um, if you just drank coffee or you just had something with lemon in it, or you just brushed your teeth or had mouthwash, it, you have to rinse your mouth because it's, you know, you, you need to create your saliva a couple of times. And I remember when I was in medical school and I remember when I was an intern and I used to 
I was a pediatric intern, so in order to stay awake, I would have coffee, Krispy Kremes, and Sudafed. Sudafed syrup because it was pediatric. So thank God I didn't know about pH then because it was probably incompatible with life. I was running on my reserve, but now the younger you are when you start doing this, the better. Well, I will be here. <laughs> I, have, I have a question. Yes. Um, um, where can we refer our patients to get information and find resources about these things? Because I don't have the information myself to give, and nor do I have necessarily the time to spend educating them. I like to do a little bit and then give them a reference. Or well, part of it is a great thing because you're educating yourself in the whole process. But there are certain websites where they have charts that have different types of foods. You can, my website, I mean, I have a website that I just, a new one that I just put up that, you know, I'm putting a lot of stuff about inside alkalinity. Um, you will be surprised at how many of your patients are so interested in hearing about it. And it's like being sick and tired of being sick and tired. You really, it's an aha moment. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, if you have someone who's open to it and they're tired, when you give them, I was, I was testing out green drinks for a while, and I, I would give them a green, one of those green powdered drinks, and I would have them drink it right in front of me. And within minutes, they felt better. They felt energized. I mean, that is real energy. It's not fake energy. It's real energy. Your cells crave it. So you can refer them to my website. You can have them look up alkalinity. Um, there are charts all over the place. If you just plugged in internal alkalinity. My, my website is Ask Dr. Graf, if you just plugged in my name. Ask, A-S-K, Dr. D-R, Graf, no punctuation, G-R-A-F. Thank you. I was just curious about the green teas versus teas, regular teas. Are they um, acid or alkaline producers? You know, teas themselves are not acid or alkaline producing. It's what you put into it. Um, so let's say a, a black tea will have caffeine in it. So it's, I, would, I would call teas neutral unless you put sugar in them. And if you have a, caf, a tea that doesn't have caffeine, that's actually better to drink in higher quantities because caffeine can act as a diuretic after a while. But I wish I would drink tea instead of coffee, but that's just my vice. <laughs> so I make up for it. In other words, don't deprive yourself of things. If you're out to dinner, enjoy what you're having. Enjoy your, your indulgence. Don't feel guilty about it because that worsens the stress and makes more acid. But if you know that you're going to go and you have, you're going to party and you know you're going to indulge, then have an extra scoop of greens the night before or that morning, you know, build up your own reserve. Take minerals, extra minerals, and drink water. Do you on your website have where you can get those pH like strips that you have? Yeah, and I have in the appendix of the book, of my book, where you can get them. Um, you're working at dermatology offices. I can tell you that from the medical supplier, okay. um, they probably have a Henry Shine or something equivalent of that. And how soon after you put your saliva on it, do you need to look? You know, they tell you to wait 10 minutes. I think it should be immediate. <laughs> I think okay. within a minute. But if you waited, it wouldn't change? If, it, if you waited, it will get more alkaline. And okay. for, to me, if it's a, if my personal factor. feeling is if it doesn't turn alkaline right away, then you don't have enough alkalinity. Okay. I hope next year that they put you earlier because my own testimonial is I used to be really sick and I'm extremely healthy. I work out all the time. 
I eat a mainly vegetarian diet, and I went to an MD who taught me about this, even though I was doing all these healthy things, I was still really acidic, and I have stopped taking allergy medicine. I'm not really sick anymore. I drank a lot of coffee today, and my nose started to drip right away. I mean, it's just instant with me. Mm -hmm. As soon as I get acidic, I get, you know, I just, it's, my allergies come back right away. I wish more patients knew about this. It is huge. It's significant. It's huge. It's huge and it's really simple. It's everything we are. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's, you know, our health, our internal health is everything that we are. That's absolutely true. And it's really quite sensible. You know, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's not black magic. It is, but patients think of it as like voodoo medicine. People, some people really think it's, there's no medical science behind it. But that's and because for many years, the medical establishment said there's no connection between what you eat and what you are, which is crazy. There are more MDs, Just the concept there are more MDs <laughs> that do this, but don't even tell their patients. Uh, I mean, I know tons of MDs because they're like, well, patients think I'm weird if I start talking about it. But they live you, it. I will bet you it. dollars to anything. I was going to say to donuts, but that... <laughs> Patients are really, at least my patients, are really interested in this. I think oh, it yeah. really depends on where in the country. Everybody right. wants to feel better. And the reason I took the approach that I did, which is a baby step approach, is because I think that I don't want anyone to ever feel that they can't be helped. Mm -hmm. Because when I think of Americans, I don't think of you, I don't think of me, I don't think of us in this room who have always been on top of our health. I think of, unfortunately, 80% of Americans who walk around eating fried stuff, that they can be helped. Absolutely. You know, they shouldn't feel hopeless. Because even if they take one baby step and make one change, right. they'll feel better. Yeah. And then that is a contagious thing. So instead of having a bad habit, mm -hmm. you develop good habits. And to answer that question that you got earlier, when my MD told me about it, he just said, go online and look up stuff. And when I did, there was tons of information. And I printed out a chart. And it was a chart with just food on it. Yep. All it had was like cherries, apples. And I started to look at the graph and I started to lose weight, which I didn't want to do. But because it was such a healthy, pure diet, I just kept cleansing my, like, I, you know, I was just eating all these fruits and vegetables and I was staying away from all the acidic stuff. It was amazing. And as soon as you go off of it and your body becomes more acidic, I don't mm. even think you realize it. Like you're just sick and you but just you feel, feel good. And you just, but you just keep, have, and tea made me acidic. Yeah. I was drinking too much tea. I wasn't putting sugar in it, but I was drinking a, like just probably more tea than water because I kept reading it was so good for you. But for me personally, I think everybody's pH is a little different. For me personally, I think it was too much. Yeah, and everybody, you know, we come in different shapes, sizes, and, met, and metabolic functions, but there are basics that we have to know, and they go for everybody. And I think there's a lot of unnecessary costs in medicine. I mean, think about what we could save in money as a nation if we had a healthy nation. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, it's just... Um, last question. So if you're feeling a little acidic, because like today I had too much coffee, what in your opinion from your research and your book can help me like, alkalinize quickly today? Okay, mineral it, supplement and some greens. Okay. Like I was going to, like, like, could I get a juice, like a carrot juice, wheatgrass? Yeah, I mean, that yeah, would yeah. Be, okay. Wheatgrass is awesome. Yeah, wheatgrass is amazing. Wheatgrass is like. But, but I would think in a juiced form, if I could drink that, I, that would get into my system quicker than a mineral supplement, right? I would do both. Okay. I would do both. I mean, I, minerals are the best way to immediately, immediately neutralize acids. And one of the reasons that we remain so acidic is because of the fact that we deplete our mineral reserves 
And that's why, because they're fabulous neutralizers. Just one last thing. The doctor that taught me this, he's an MD, and he studied in Germany. He said that if I stayed on this diet for the rest of my life, I would never get cancer, most likely, or, or any serious illness. And that parasites and bacteria and cancer, they love acidic environments. Well, you see and a pool, I really tanks. think it's true. Yeah. Because the minute I feel like a cold, or I feel like I'm getting sick, and I get a big glass of the juice, like fresh squeezed juice, I can feel it going away. You don't know how bad you felt until you really start feeling great. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's the thing. Nobody believes that they could feel great. My aha moment personally um, to really start looking at this came when out of plain curiosity about detoxification, I went to the Omega Institute and I did a seven-day guided juice fast. And that was, I, at, the, at day five, I, I felt not one acre pain, no cellulite, you know, I'm, I'm, my eyes are clear, my, I felt amazing. I didn't think I could feel that great. So when you do this type of diet, you're actually achieving the same kind of thing more slowly because as you increase alkalinity, you are eliminating acids and that is gonna make you feel better. You said milk is acid producing. Does that include soy milk or is it just cow's milk? It's cow's milk primarily. Okay. Um, I think when you buy these kinds of milks, you have to be careful. And I look very carefully at what's in there because you can get soy milk and then you look at the side and there's tons of sugar in it. My feeling about these different types of milks is if you're gonna get a different kind of milk, you get an almond milk. And get an organic without added sugar. Actually, Jordan, you'll vouch for me, the Vitamixer, we make, you can make your own almond milk. You can get a soy milk machine. You know, the reason I like making these, your own foods is because you know the source of your foods. Mm -hmm. And you know what you're putting in them. And you know what you're not putting in them. Mm -hmm. And the Vitamixer is, a, is this giant, powerful blender that you could order on Amazon. And you can make soup in 10 minutes, but you can put your own ingredients in. You can make almond milk in a few minutes. And you can grind it so finely that you don't even have to you know, put it through a gauze sieve. So I, I would say try to get used to almond milk. That would be my favorite milk. Okay. Jordan, you agree with that? Is almond milk your favorite? And yeah. in terms of sweeteners, are sweeteners such as Splenda, are those <laughs> bad because they're processed? Yeah. Okay, okay. But Stevia is good. you can get Stevia, mm -hmm. which is natural, and agave. Okay. Agave almost is a nectar, and those are healthy, and, and natural sweeteners. Um, Honey is a very good sweetener to use. Um, I like honey. The thicker the honey, the better the honey. If you can pour it, it's not as good. But honey actually has antibacterial and antimicrobial benefits, particularly the manuka. The manuka honey is actually good for acne. Mm, okay. But it's like a gel. Okay. Thank you. I have a similar testimony to the previous colleague there. Just. Um, and I know you said you don't need a machine, but my husband bought me a Kangen water machine. It took me almost four months to get up to 9.5 pH. My tongue swelled so bad I couldn't drink it. So it took a long time because I was so acidic to get there. Take magnesium every day. Worked for a vegetarian surgeon, so I've been vegetarian for 20 years now. And um, fibromyalgia pains almost gone as long as I do magnesium. I do almond milk. I eat nothing but vegetables. And the Kangen water, when I come to a conference like this, by the time I go back, I, I, I'm not feeling nearly as good as I was because the pH of my water isn't as high. 
and I might even have to work back up into that. But I really hated water before I got that. But now that I drink a nine and a half pH water every day, I absolutely love it. And I'm not a great water drinker either. I have to force myself, but I get in at least a quart or more a day because it's nine and a half. It's been very, very helpful. And now, the thing about the Kangen machines, I mean, I'm not putting them down. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying you don't have to buy them. All right, yeah. And what you can do in the meantime, if you need that higher pH water, is you can go on and you can order pH alkaline drops. Mm -hmm. And you can actually, at this meeting, just carry them with you. Put a few drops in, and that will. I know I could order, and that's why I don't have any. You should have brought something to sell. I should have. If I'd have known, <laughs> there'd be interest. You could have made us all feel better. No, I, I didn't. Frankly, I didn't know if anybody'd be in the room at a 5:30 talk following ethics. <laughs> and that, one of the things I love about agave syrup, I, I, I work, live and work in North Carolina now, and you know, stroke belt everywhere you go, and. Even in the little black church that I go to, the pastor asked me to talk about healthy living there. And one of the things I wanted to talk to him about was agave because it's only 19 on the glycemic index. So it's very, very mm -hmm. low. Your diabetics can use it. It doesn't raise their sugar. Yeah. Getting them to try it is another story, but it was well worth it. Thank you. Well, it's good. But, you know, the thing about stevia is you get it in all sorts of different forms. You can get it in powder form. You know, it's not in just one form. And it's, stevia has become more available in supermarkets. So, you know, we have, we have plenty. The good thing is that there are more and more choices. Can I ask you a last question? Sure. The blue zones, are you familiar with the blue zones in the world where people live, outlive everybody else? Dan Butner's book, um, Costa Rica, Iceland, uh, Okinawa, uh -huh. Sardinia, Loma Linda, California, where you have surgeons still practicing at 90 years old plus. Um, the correlation in those societies, other than strong family units, you know, some sense of value, um, low stress, but the diet. Have you ever done any, you haven't looked into the worldwide, you know, I'm going phenomenons and acid and bases because what you described today is it correlates with the blue zones. I'm going to, I'm going to have to look at that. Thank you for recommending that. Um, when I think of the blue zones, I always thought of Crete and Sardinia where they have the lowest incidence of inflammatory disease in the world, and they live very long lives. I'm going to look at the other places, because I don't think of Iceland when I think of that. Where are the other places? Fish oils. Um, Iceland, Sardinia, Italy, which isn't a traditional Italian uh, diet. It's a little bit off. Okinawa, which is changing because of the American influence. Oh, yeah, we had a bad influence on that. And then the Nicoyan Peninsula of Costa Rica. People but live, on average, well into their 80s average age which they're outliving the U.S. by a good decade. Plus, not only that, they're functional. They're not ending up in nursing facilities. They're actually working until they die. Because they're actually dying of old age. Yeah, and that's alkalinity. Yeah. And that's because they're not having the degenerative diseases. I will tell you, when I said Okinawa, the Amer ever since the American base was there, they started having steaks. They started following the American diet. They've seen more breast cancer there now, and they have obesity. So Americans have had a bad influence on Okinawans, you know, but... I'm going to look at that. I also have one more question. I live in a rural town and a lot of elderly patients that have polypharmacy already and they want a one pill fix. Mm -hmm. Which one pill fix would you recommend as a mineral supplement? Um, actually, there's no one pill fix. I mean, there's calcium. You can get a, a good calcium mineral supplement. Um, if you can get them to take one and they're not taking any, then you're doing good. Um, I would give them, like the raw calcium, I think is a good one. 
Garden of Eden is one of the brands that is like from a natural vegan food supplement. But I also would give them spirulina pills to take. Because spirulina at least is a green vegetable. It's high in beta carotene. It's high in everything. That's what I would start with. And the other thing I would start with, seriously, is they want a one pill fix, but they're not drinking any water. I can guarantee it. You got to get them to start drinking some water. So I do this. And um, I have tried to get patients to drink water. So I try different tricks. And that's where I, I also, you know, my son can attest to the fact that I, I squeeze lemon and lime into water. And I make a gallon every day, and I'll add stevia to it. So it tastes like lemonade. But it counts as water, but it's alkaline water. So if you can get them to taste it and say, oh, that's really good. <laughs> because there are people who are not good water drinkers. Elderly people, your, your rural patients who are really sick are dehydrated. They are dehydrated. Without question, they're dehydrated. You're going to look at their blood work there, have a high BUN ratio. BUN creatinine ratio is a slightly elevated. They're dehydrated. So if you could just get them to drink some water, that would probably be the best thing. Better than any pill. How soon can you start these supplements and minerals for kids? How old? I think the way to start it with kids is to get them to have healthy habits earliest, as early as possible, ASAP. Start them drinking water and start them on a healthy diet because that's the best time to start them. Because if you can train your child eating habits early on to like good foods, to start getting used to drinking water, don't allow any junk in your house. You know, anything that's junk gets thrown out. I mean, no sodas. No sodas are allowed in the house. You can have carbonated water. You can have mineral water. You know, that's fine. That doesn't count as a soda. But, you know, start them. Water should be their drink. You know, nothing sugary. That's really the best time to start this because they could stay healthy forever, never have a medical problem. So ASAP is my answer. What, how do you spell the sweetener? You said stevia? Stevia is S-T-E-V-I-A. Oh, and by the way, back to the child question, you can make spirulina smoothies and give them carrot juice. I mean, you can do that early on. You know when they say, oh my God, your palms are orange? That's how I treat patients who get warts. I tell them to take spirulina and eat carrots, and I want their endpoint to be orange palms because that tells me that the antiviral beta carotene has gotten to their skin. So don't be put off by orange palms. You know, that's, that's what I strive for. And mine aren't particularly orange these days. I'm working on it, though. And the nicest part is your energy level. God, your energy level just gets so much better. OK, thank you. You guys deserve a medal. <laughs> <laughs>